Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 280. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're honored to have with us the Eisner Award-winning and highly talented editor, cartoonist, and creator of Kid Beowulf, Lex Fajardo. Hello, Barney. Thank you for having Hi. me on. Yeah, you're welcome. Welcome. This is exciting stuff. So you you've been working on Kid Beowulf for 20 years since yes. two, you started in 2003. You're you're launching through Crowdfunder a Kid Beowulf series um, that is songs and sagas, which is five stories and one collection in like. A yeah. So for those who have never seen my work before, who are not familiar with with Kid Beowulf, yes, I have been doing it for 20 years. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I started in 2003. It started as like a little zine, a black and white thing. And in the course of those, those low, those many years, it turned into like a comic book and then a graphic novel. And then I played with self-publishing, traditional publishing, I run the gamut. Um, mm. And and through all that, time has flown and, and somehow um, I'm still making comics, which is, which is great. But it's, uh, yeah, Kid Beowulf is a, uh, it's my middle grade mythological graphic novel series it's inspired by the old epic poem beowulf which and in my version basically the big viking beowulf and the grendel monster that he fights are in fact 12 year old twin brothers and they go across europe and asia meeting other epic heroes getting into other adventures and uh if you're a fan of things like bone or sagi ojimbo or wings of fire it sort of fits into that that genre of um, fun myth-based adventure stories. Basically, the the this these are short stories that I've been doing over the years. During those twenty years, when I wasn't doing the the the, the main story, which at this point comprises four two hundred page graphic novels, um, in between those books, I would take little breaks and do like a twenty page story here or a fifteen pager or a 50 pager and just try and explore some of the characters that I developed in some, some side quests and side stories. And, and um, really they were, they were stories to that I did for, for fun because I, because I just love making comics. Um, but I also sort of view them as experiments. For instance, there's mm. a story that was about that. I wanted to just try and do like a chase story. That was just like a, a pantomime, no word balloons, just sound effects. I just wanted to do a 20 page chase story. So that's one of these short stories. And then I thought I should really see if I can even, you know, do a comedic lighthearted story. So I have like a 15 page, very gag oriented story. So these, these stories, which I've called songs and sagas is this collection that I'm now bringing to crowdfunder. Um, and if you've never read Kid Beowulf before, it's like a great primer. It gives you kind of taste for what the mythology is. And if you have read, the other four books this is sort of like those easter egg stories that you know you get a little bit more about certain characters you can learn a little bit more about the mythos so i think it, it's a neat little package i'm excited to finally bring it to to a, a crowdfunder to have enough stories that comprise a book because right. i had the first the first short story that i did i think was back in like 2016 and then wow. and since then in that time i've sort of you know hopped around and and done more and 
And so finally, last the last short, short story that I did, um, I published online last year. And now, and now I was like, oh, well, I have enough now that I can make a book. So let's make a book. Right. This is 228 pages. So this is not a simple side project you're working on. This is a major undertaking that you've done. Like, how did you have time to do this? And did you have to sacrifice some time telling them your main story arc for this? Oh, sure. Yes. Um, well, the, the, the larger books are about the same length. Like the one mm -hmm. full story is about 200 pages. Uh, yeah. Book two, I think, ended up being like 270 pages. I don't know what I was thinking. It nearly killed me. <laughs> um, after that, I was like, okay, I got I to gotta pare it down. Um, and uh, so, you know, books three and four subsequently are sort of hit that 200 page mark, which takes a long time. Like I'm sure you've spoken to other creators. Making comics takes a long time. And, and I have a day job, so I have to sort of juggle that. And so... Um, the, the graphic novels, I think on average would take like a year to a year and a half production time. Then you've got like that old six to nine months of just sort of the back end of like actually getting right. it ready to print and all that stuff. But after doing a 200 page straight story, a, after being completely exhausted and, and not, and not wanting to be near my drawing board, eventually that itch would come back like, okay, I got to do a new story. But but diving into another full length two hundred page story was just sometimes too daunting. So that's where these little stories they came they became like a little uh, refresher to kind of keep me engaged in the storylines I was doing, but also um, just fresh at the board and um, and just trying to keep those muscles active, um, the storytelling muscles of either writing or drawing or inking or what have you. Any component of of the comics creation process, it just sort of was important to keep keep going so right. you write it and you also illustrate you're the cartoonist for and you write it but you have a you have a somebody outside that does the coloring i have a i have a colorist his name is jose he's great we've worked together since maybe 2016 he's actually based in the philippines um and i found him through some other friends who had done some some comics and uh, they recommended him and and he and i have been working together you know we've never actually met in person which is kind of crazy but through the, the marvel of the uh, internet age, we're able to send art back and forth. And what's really nice is over the years, we've developed a, a nice shorthand. So he, you know, I'll send him um, the black and white pages. He'll send me back flats, which is basically just kind of dropping the color in. But he'll like, you know, he'll put in the orange hair for Beowulf and the green skin for Grendel. And he sort of has a sense of some of the palette that I like. Um, we go back and forth, tighten up those flats. And then when it's ready, he'll he'll go off and he'll do the final um the final sheen so to speak of like adding in shadow adding in lighting effects making you really pop with mood and and color and, and he really brings the books to life in a special way um and prior to you know hooking up with jose the books were self-published in black and white so it sort of had a life as a black and white comic and then finally as i've always envisioned it in color so it's nice to work with somebody as talented as him and you also, in the letters in the comic, are based off of your own handwriting, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a, a font that's that's built out of my handwriting, um, and uh, yeah, because that I, I I actually work traditionally for as much as I can. You know, I'll I'll do everything on Bristol board. I'll do the panels with blue Prismacolor. I'll I'll uh, draw in the, the the characters with pencil and I'll ink it, and then it becomes a, uh, a digital document. I'll scan that into the computer, 
Um, and that's where Jose and I will work on the color. And that's also when I start to drop in the letters. Yeah, that, there's an, an example of a, of a page right now. Um, so I have a lot of friends who are cartoonists who, who are entirely digital. And I have others who um, are completely traditional. And then I'm sort of kind of in the middle. I use the computer um, and Photoshop specifically to help things like word balloons and, and sound effects. And um, But having a, a font made out of my handwriting kind of gives it that, that um, what's, it just makes it look more hand done. You know, it, right. it has that quality that, that I certainly like for, for comics. And, um, it just kind of keeps it all together as, as sort of a, a singular, singular kind of look. Right. Yeah. What's well, funny. You mentioned too, like some of your inspirations that you mentioned with bone, but, and you did mention in a previous interview, which you haven't mentioned yet. And it, it pretty much shows us here is like Asterix and Obelix as well as, one of your inspirations. Oh, okay, too. let me ask you: Are you familiar with Asterix and Obelix? Of course, yeah. Oh, that's terrific. Anyway, <laughs> I only ask because sometimes I will mention that. Sometimes it's very apparent to people right. when they look at my work, like, "Oh, I see an echo of of Asterix here." Uh, other times they'll say, "Well, it looks familiar. I don't know what it is." And and you know what? I'll do, I'll show them actually my phone case, which mm -hmm. is Asterix and Obelix, and like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." And um. And other times people have never heard of them before. At least in, in America, they're 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 quite they're not quite as prevalent as they are in, in Europe. And for those right. you know, viewers of yours who who might not be familiar with it, it's a French comic. It was made in the 60s. They actually still create it, but it was one of those first comics that I discovered as a kid. And um that really sort of inspired me to like, hey. I want to make comics and I kind of want to make, make them look like this. And, and so it's always sort of been a North star along with folks like Jeff Smith and Stan Sakai to sort of create a comic that is as engaging and as fun as, as some of those. Um, so I'm glad you, that you, that you know, Asterix and, and Obelix. Yeah. yeah. So talk to us a little bit about uh, the, your crowdfunder campaign. What can people expect from, from what you have set up as your, as your levels? This is an experiment for me, you know, because because prior to this, I have self-published and and gone through um, the other platform, Kickstarter, which which I was actually planning to do that for this book, mm. um, and uh, and then through some mutual connections that we have through Kids Comics Unite and and other friends and and uh, in the crowdfunding world, I caught wind of this other platform, Crowdfunder, that was doing this really cool kids and YA, YA creator spotlight in July, which was when I was going to launch my Kickstarter. So I thought, okay, well, let's see what this is about. Maybe I can switch gears and, and um, try my hand at crowdfunder, see how it's similar to Kickstarter, see how it's different. Um, it operates very similarly to, to Kickstarter, um, but that also mm. has some really cool, unique features um, that uh, worked well for, for my campaign. Um, specifically just sort of like focusing on the book at hand. So, you know, at the very top there, you see two different versions of the book. There's um, the traditional mass market paperback, I would call it, which is that blue copy there. Right. Um, yeah. And uh, it's a soft cover edition. It's full color interior. It has that, that very familiar six by nine trim size that I think if you read graphic novels these days is, is kind of the standard. Um, and it's about 228 pages. So that's the one that um, is, uh, as I said, is the mass. And then for the crowdfunder, I thought, oh, it'd be fun to do 
uh, sort of a souped up hardcover edition. Uh, okay. Maybe throw in some extra essays and making up material in the back. And that's the one that's in the, the purple. And it's a really handsome, I actually have a proof of that one too. It's a handsome um, uh, edition and oh, wow. uh, printing's really nice in there too. And so it was, it was, it was neat to sort of just offer these two, two different things, two different ways to, to get, you know, the content. Um, Cause for previous Kickstarters, you know, I, I offered a similar thing where there was like a standard mass edition and this artist collector's edition. And folks really seemed to like the idea that there was this, this second option that was really specific to the Kickstarter or the, or the crowdfunder. So I wanted to, uh, to do that again with, with this copy of, of songs and sagas. So, um, so those are the main, the, the, the two main rewards, but I have other things in there too. Um, you know, to commemorate the 20th anniversary of Kid Beowulf, I'm doing these, these cool sketch cards. I've actually been, um, uh, these are what some of the awesome. original art looks like that I've been doing, um, you know, in the off hours. And if you go to my Instagram, I, I do these neat little time-lapse videos where you can see me drawing the characters. So, uh, a fun, approachable way to get some original art, I thought, would be fun mm -hmm. to show sketch cards. And um, and then in some cases, uh, there are some rewards that are like digging into the archives and some of those other um, uh, projects that I've done. Like I've got a, a plush for one of my characters, Hama the Pig. Um, yeah, good old Hama. Hama's yeah. been around since day one, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, 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 he's their stalwart companion. And um, I did a a crowdfunder a couple of years ago where I did a storybook featuring Hama. And I thought, oh, the best way, the best thing to to pair with this for these super young readers, like six-year-olds would maybe be a plush. So that was a fun mm. um, opportunity. And so he's available for this crowdfunder. And then I have like the big pack. So like, you know, if you've never read Kid Beowulf before, there's like the adventure pack that has all four books plus the new one. Um, that's the oh, one wow. right at the bottom. Um, that's a great starter kit. And then uh, if you are into collectibles, I have these really neat uh, 3D prints. For instance, yeah, if you scroll up there, that is, her name is Tarpea and Peaky the Woodpecker. And they're characters that come from um, the fourth book. And uh, there are these hand-painted 3D printed um, sculpts. I had a couple of those left in the archives. So I thought it'd be neat to offer those as a reward. Oh, and, wow. then, um, and then there's another set for the super high-end, um, one-of-a-kind backer, the, I have this trio of Beowulf, Grendel, and Hama the Pig, um, and they're three sculpts. They sit in this neat um, base, but they're all oh, individual cool. sculpts, and uh, and those I've done over the years. You know, I, I'm I'm fortunate enough to know a lot of great, talented artists, and and I love, you know, taking my characters and seeing what they look like in 3D. And so I commissioned some sculptors and and um, and anyway, I have one final set left and I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try it out for the crowdfunder. And, and if somebody wants to get it, it'll be theirs. But um, the crowdfunder has just been a fun way to share just some of those archival 20th anniversary things alongside this brand new book. During the Kickstarter month, you know, for folks who've never read my stuff, I decided, well, I should share one of those, one of those short stories. And so every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm doing a new episode from this short story, Shield and the Dragon, um, which was really the first short story that I did 
sort of proved to myself that, oh, I can do a short story. It's fun to do. It's fun to kind of like dive deep into like a character story. Uh, there are only three characters in this as opposed to like the 25 that sometime my cast hmm. of thousands, which can kill me sometimes. So it was really just nice. <laughs> to just, I'm going to draw three characters and it's going to be it. And um, and it's a fun story. I like it a lot. So you said you, you've been, you were inspired by obviously the story Beowulf from this. How, how much do you do a deep dive after, you know, 20 years, obviously, is that I'm sure you have something along the lines of like a, a pretty established world building aspect to this universe that you created. How much do you have to over over the span to kind of edit yourself to say, actually, that's not the real backstory of this character? Like, how much do you have to do when you get back into working on Kid Beowulf that you have to kind of reread your archives to remember where you left off or remember yeah. where where you want to go from there? It's a great question. Um, well, you can see on either side of me are these tall bookshelves. Uh, <laughs> a lot of those are actually just different translations of either Beowulf or the Odyssey, or there's my comic collection in there too. But uh, if you can't already tell, I'm a big classics nerd. So I love yeah. those, those epics and I reread them. And just the other day, uh, I'm not kidding, I was rereading Beowulf again, um, <laughs> another different adaptation. And the reason I revisit these all the time is because I'm, I'm constantly gleaning something new from the text that I can put into my story. So whenever I'm in the midst of doing a new story, like for instance, I'm sort of in this, you know, when I'm not crowdfunding this month, I'm in a production, a writing production phase. I'm trying to figure out the story for the next book in the series, which is number five and which takes Beowulf from Grendel to Greece. And it'll be inspired by um, the Greek um, epics, specifically the Odyssey and then some other mythology like the labyrinth story. So mm. a lot of that beginning process is me rereading those stories and seeing, well, what it, what is it about this story that I want to bring into mind? What are the themes I want to play with? And right now I'm in a, I'm in a phase where I'm just jotting down ideas, uh, long form of what could be in book five. Uh, I might throw all of this out. I have no idea if it's any good, but I'm just like trying to get stuff on the page and and then get it to a place where I can then type it out as a script and work on it. Um, but I do on occasion, you know, reread the books, um, the, the, you know, the ones that I've done. And sometimes I feel like the new book is an opportunity to either maybe fix a mistake or uh, a tangent that maybe didn't work so well in one of the earlier books and just kind of massage it and, and tweak it. Um, that's actually where some of these short stories come into play too. Like, um, where I can, you know, expand on a on a, a a pair of characters who maybe got short shrift in one of the larger books, and then in a, in a short story, I can I can really kind of dig in and and see what they're about. Um, so I really I really like the formats, whether it's a graphic novel or a short story. Um, it's all just super fun to come up with those stories. Um, the enemy is time; they just don't have enough time. <laughs> so. Well, but but you also because your day job you work in the creative arts in your day job as well. So how do you manage your enthusiasm of using that same part of your brain after work to work on your own creative endeavors? I don't. Excuse me. I don't do it after work. I do it before work. So oh, I know. I know that. That's smart. Uh, I just get up early in the morning and I'll, and I'll square, I'll, I'll square away at least a couple hours in the, before my day job starts, because I've found that that's sort of when I'm most creative is, is that early morning time. So 
and that's my time and i'm going to be very um stingy with it and and uh so the day job they'll get me for eight hours but those those crucial little early hours in the morning are, are mine and then at the end of the day i'll come back to, to to kid beowulf and of course the weekends are devoted to that um i have a very patient wife um and uh so i just try and like claw and scrap time wherever i can um and and when I'm in that writing phase that I'm in now, I I can sort of make it work. But when those days come where I have to like be at the board for long hours drawing, because that's that's really what takes a long time, that can be more challenging. And so it's again, I get up early in the morning and and try and you know pencil a few panels before beforehand. Those those long hours at the the drawing board are really what I need during the weekends. And, and so it's still a struggle. I'm still trying to figure out like what is the best way. How can I be the most efficient? I'm still trying to figure that out. If you have any tips, please pass them along. I'll take them. So. And, and so, how does your, the process? Do you actually write out a script first, or you, or do you just like thumbnail out a story and then write the script afterwards? Uh, I'm a writer first. <clears throat> okay. So I will I will script out um, what sort of like is a hybrid of like a, of a screenplay. So I'll, I'll do, and very much it's a script that is my writer self telling my drawing self what to draw. So it's sort of like, you know, page one, six panel layout, panel one, such and such character is over, is overlooking or spying on this, you know, this, this place, you know, below ground, mm -hmm. describing the action, the characters, what they're going to say. I used to thumbnail, um, you know, do these elaborate little thumbnails. But then I found that I lost a lot of energy when I tried to transfer those thumbnails to the to the actual page. So now okay. I actually skipped, I skip real thumbnailing and I just do the panel boxes alongside the script. That kind of just helps me with pacing. Um, mm. And of course, it's something I can adjust when I get to that final Bristol board. Um, if, if I feel like it's not working, after doing so many books, I've sort of figured out a method that that works for me that that keeps the energy hopefully alive on the page by the time I get to drawing it. Um, right. It's tricky though, to kind of figure out that balance. Well, because one of your jobs, you also has, is an editor. So do you have somebody read your script before you actually start drawing it out? Or do you just. I probably just should. <laughs> I should have, <laughs> I mean, I have a couple of beta readers right. um, and you know, people I trust who are familiar with the other books that I've done. Um, Kind of have a sense of where i want to take the story um and are very themselves very good with story so it's a select few um that i'll that i'll pass that that script on to um and um but the other thing is you know sometimes i've also been releasing the books um online as web comics and um okay. and it's interesting to get you know whether it's on go comics or my own site people will will comment and that's an interesting way to to get feedback. I mean, by that point, the, the comic is, you know, 90% done. So right. what they're yeah. going to comment on is not necessarily helpful for that story, but it's something that I lock away in my in the back of my brain of, for the future story. Sort of like, oh, right. I have to clarify this, or maybe that maybe that gag didn't land as, as well as it could. Um, but uh, yeah, in terms of the, um, the editorial process, I have a couple of um, trusted folks, but a lot of it is is me kind of just going at it on my own because, as you mentioned, my day job is is very collaborative, um, and uh, and fun. But at the end of the day, it's sort of like it's important to have that space that's all your own that you control. 
that you can right. dictate. So it's nice to have that too. And, and so, because you, as you said, as we said earlier, you uh, at the at the top of the show, you've been doing this for twenty years. Now, at what point, or has, has there been an evolution in who this story is for? Because you add in, there's an educational aspect to it. Do you? tell this story because you want to tell this story and, and, and it's something that you want to do? Or is this something where you're saying, this is important for people to be educated on, you know, world mythology. And it's important that I can say it in a different lens for people to be, to learn more about the world history and cultures that we're a part of. Right. That second half has sort of been, that's never, that was never my initial intent. I never wanted to oh, be didactic about Beowulf teaching the classics to anybody. I just naturally love those stories. And actually, when I did the first book, uh, The Bloodbound Oath, it originally was published in 2008. So I don't know if we can even think back that far, but that was, <laughs> that was like a lifetime ago in the term in, in, the, in the, the scheme of like graphic novels and what they are now for, you know, very much dominated by things like Scholastic and, and the kids market. I mean, back then, My North Star was Jeff Smith's self-published bone. I actually have a copy of like the great cow race that he did back in like the day, the black and white version. These are the books that I gobbled up and I'm like, Oh, I want to kind of do what he's doing and like telling an expansive story with these cartoony sort of, you know, characters and, um, but like deep mythological themes. I love Joseph Campbell and that world mythology kind of stuff. So if you were to look at the two, the, the 2008 version of kid Beowulf, but the black and white has that kind of um, grittier feel. Uh, and it was only in the process of doing it in 2008, seeing what readers were actually being attracted to it, which were people who read Bone, and then they were introducing it to their kids. Um, so I never really thought about it specifically for kids. That's only sort of evolved over the course of, of many years. And so I've adapted because I know that, you know, that's really my primary readership. And that's exciting too, because now, as you say, like I can introduce them to these stories and sort of think about how they're thinking about these characters, what they want to get from them. So I don't think it's it's necessarily changed my initial approach. I'm just a little bit more cognizant about who the end reader is and how gotcha. I can be a better storyteller to serve them. Ultimately, I want to tell the same kind of stories that I have been telling, but there is something nice when you have a mental picture of like a 10 year old who's going to read this and make sure that it resonates with them in a specific way. Do you feel as though that, you know, through your, your writing of it over the, over, over the last several years that you've tweaked it to have, make sure there's some sort of lesson involved in there or some, some learning aspect to it as well. Um, again, I don't like to be overly didactic or educational. I try and I like to sneak it in where I can. Right. And if there are, if there are lessons, it's more about sort of the heroic, moral and ethical things that you know that one should do um but for instance i i try to do it in a in a subversive way so for instance like if you were to read the first book um the bloodbound oath the the first character we were introduced to his name is prince rothgar and we're with him for like a good first chunk of the story because it, it's a generational story we don't actually don't get to beowulf until we don't get to beowulf until maybe the third part so the first part is very much focused on his grandfather when he's young and all the mistakes he makes. And he's essentially just not a very good person. He sort of sets this story in motion because of broken oaths, of um, of himself not being particularly ethical or moral. And so sometimes, you know, a kid will, will ask, well, is, is he supposed to be the hero? Because I don't identify with him. He's not necessarily a good person. I'm like, yeah, no, it's 
basically this is the hero's journey in reverse. It's sort of what would happen if you if you didn't take the moral upright way and went in a different way, and you know how does that ripple? Um, right. And essentially, the answer to that is you have Beowulf at the end, who is the hero who's going to sort of rectify all the things that you know the sins of the father, so to speak, were happening prior. So it's I try and approach it that way. Um, uh, in other stories, for instance, you know the Song of Roland, the hero of that is a French hero named Roland, and he's you know he's upstanding, he's he's um, you know he's he's forthright, he wants to do the right thing, but he has um, you know, a stepfather that's sort of pushing him in a different direction. So his moral quandary is is trying to, uh, you know, to 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 do what's heroic um, to save his king. But again, it's not it's not totally on the surface. It's sort of underneath. And and then you know, it's really cool to to give these stories to these kids because they're super smart and they pick up on it and they understand like um, that struggle. It's been fun to. Uh, you know, have these these old these stories that are based on old you know mythology and epics, and try to tease out some of that that ambiguity that that lives in those epics, in this new way in these comics. So mm. hopefully, I'm, hopefully, I'm successful in doing that. That's at least what I try to do. Right. And as you mentioned, book two, that's the larger one. That's the that's the larger one. Yeah, that's that one originally came out in 2010, and then we republished it in color in 2017, and. And it's like I describe it as the big swashbuckler. This is like Beowulf and Grendel's <laughs> first adventure together. They're in France. They meet the great King Charlemagne and all of his knights, who are sort of precursors to the Musketeers. There's giants. There's elephants. There's roller coasters. It's all over the place. Uh, it was super fun to draw, and actually, many of the characters who are in book two are some of my favorites. And there's some of the characters who I revisit in some of these songs and sagas. They're they're kind of like. Um, I kind of call them like the Avengers of France. They're these these cool <laughs> knights, and they're really fun to write for, and they're fun to draw. And the story that's in um, Songs and Sagas that features them is called Paladin's Tale. E the idea here is that each of these four knights, um, they've been betrayed, they've been um, locked away in four separate prisons, and each one has to bust out of the prison in their own fashion in their so, own way oh, yeah, that's one cool. uses brains one uses his bronze one uses his wits um so that was fun to do and I, and I and you know and i have a whole sheath of um of notes and stories ideas that i want to do with those guys because they're really fun to draw yeah. and uh create for so be, so because as you mentioned like you know time is usually the is is the biggest enemy here have you ever been in a position where there where you're thinking about well that maybe you know taking on uh some of where you write out the script but then hire the hire the actual illustrator and then it might be in a different style but that way at least you can push forward and, and keep right. some more stories going sometimes i'll think about that but i don't it doesn't linger too long because for me i mean it's as you said at the top like i'm a cartoonist i write and i draw right and yeah. so so much of the writing is in the drawing and so much of right. the joy for me is in the drawing even right. if it takes forever i just it's fun to draw those characters and it's fun to actually use the brush pen and get that perfect thick to thin line and and it comes alive in a way that right. if i gave the script to somebody else even if i love their art it's just like ah i want to do it i'm really you know I get, <laughs> yeah i get greedy exactly. so <laughs> yeah i would be worried that they're going to draw better than me and they probably they might. <laughs> 
<laughs> nobody's going to want to see my stuff anymore. So <laughs> if, if people want to learn more about Kid Beowulf, where's the best place they could go to? I would send them <clears throat> to kidbeowulf.com. Um, okay. That's the, the home site. That's where you can, you can actually read some comics for, for free right now. If you go to the comic section, uh, I have a little archive there of some of the short stories that are in this collection. As I said, I'm, I'm rerunning Shield and the Dragon. Um, uh, that's where you get access to my, my Patreon. Um, and, uh, and I relaunched this site maybe, I think it was last year, the year before. Uh, prior, prior to the relaunch, it was really just a, um, uh, just a, a placeholder. And then I, I found, and I would run my comics like places on Go Comics or Tapas or Webtoon. And then I found like, I really want to like keep my comics on my space. So I, I redid the whole site. So it's, um, so you could read the comics directly on the website, on your phone. They sort of, they're all carved up, uh, if you have a phone and, and you'll read it um scrolling or else you'll read it if you're on your desktop as a, as a full page as intended so it's it's fun to have the um the control um and the and the presentation i i, I can present this the way i wanted to and and um so i i urge people to go to kidbeowulf.com uh if they want all the best info up to the minute dates right updates and, and all that that good stuff right and as you mentioned too lex you have a great patreon i highly recommend people checking out and uh subscribing to your Patre patreon account as well this is a point where you actually get bonus comics you really get to learn a lot about and just get really in-depth stuff about kid beowulf and for those to make this podcast evergreen if you miss out if you don't hear it in time um to actually uh to actually back kid beowulf songs decided to pre-order the book um it will be available through a link on your website as well oh for sure yeah okay um the the publication date is is october 2023 for the for the book um and uh so that's sort of that's firm this this kickstarter crowdfunder is is um really helping that uh those production costs along um and it's a way to for folks as you say to pre-order the book um and of course all books that are ordered i do a, a sketch and a sign um and I put it together in a, in a nice package um and uh but yeah I, I i always make the books available on the website after these these um these crowdfunders um and uh i just want to make sure that folks get access to the books any way they they want Good and perfect. And like I gotta say, for those that are listening right now, this is uh, this is an amazing deal that you can get an Eisner award-winning cartoonist sketch card for seven dollars. That is that is literally probably the best deal on the internet right now. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. Perfect. Well, listen, Lex, you got to come back on when you got your uh, when you got another project coming. This has been great. Yeah, yeah, I know. I look forward to it. It's uh, it's always fun to talk shop. I really appreciate the those uh, those smart questions. It's it's um, if you can't already tell, I love making these comics, and it's and it's just great to share it with folks. So. Yeah, it's great. It's amazing. All right. Well, thank you very much, Lex. Thank you.
they got a transformer it's here so i usually have like little like gen x toys sitting on my desk and one of them's green so you can see through it now but yeah. which transformer was that it is it's a decepticon okay. and it is a oh it's a it's not it's what a re-release it's a decepticon it's a truck well it's like a is it one of the is it one of the constructicons maybe maybe yeah i think i think it's one I of those dudes were green though unless it's a this, new... yeah he is he yeah is this one's green oh, okay. yeah that's he's why he can't that's why he's see-through that's what yeah. it is yeah he formed he's one of the guys who forms the mighty devastator i think you're right yeah see yeah i, I just some, went to transformers first gen knowledge right here here's my guy i have a beach okay point. he's a little dune buggy that uh i found at a toy shop ages ago so oh that's awesome 